It is the pinnacle of professional wrestling. Over the course of a month, in the boiling summer heat, the very best athletes to ever span the globe compete in the toughest tournament in the game. This is the story of the, the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience. I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hey everybody, how you doing? I hope you're having a good week. Thanks for coming back to the show. My guest this week is Christina Outland, and if you haven't heard that name yet, you might be hearing it a little bit more over the coming months. Christina is going to start doing some work for The Point, uh, some editing and writing some content. So uh, I wanted to kind of introduce the the wider piercing world to Christina and get uh, some of her thoughts on customer service in the shop. When I reached out and said, hey, would you like to come on the show? That was the subject that uh, that she suggested. And I'm really glad that we talked about it. You know, I, I've mentioned it a few times on the show where I think sometimes customer service can get uh, a little overlooked. We can be awesome at the needle part of our job, the jewelry part of our job, the sterilization part of our job. But sometimes we kind of phone it in on the customer service side of it, depending on how busy your shop is and what kind of help you have and how stressed out you are that day or something like that. The customer service can kind of be lower on the list of priorities than, than maybe it should be. So we talk about a, a lot of different aspects of customer service. It's a really good conversation. I talk a lot about the things that I've had to learn, some of it the hard way over the years at my own shop. Christina shared a lot of insight as to what they do in her shop, and uh, it, it's really interesting. So if you're one of those body piercers where you're you're kind of pushing forward, uh, you want to really make something of yourself in your shop, and you really want to take on more of a market share and get new hiring clients, all these different things, uh, customer service can can be a really big factor of that. So definitely listen up. We talk about how to manage clients on a, a really busy day with different kinds of levels of staffing and just how to keep the energy up and how to keep the mood up, even if your energy is kind of mixed or something like that. So uh, we, it's a really good conversation. Uh, I met Christina, as I said, at the, the class I did in Nashville, Tennessee. And while I was recording this interview, gave me an idea about a future class. I was looking to book something in Atlanta, and I was really fixated on uh, rent a venue. Uh, it, it's it's not really super easy to do classes in shops these days because most of the time shops are busy. You know, they'd have to shut down for a day, or uh, maybe the shop lobby isn't big enough, or you know, just different things. Sometimes it can put a lot of strain on the host venue. So usually I, I start by looking for just like a, a theater or a club or something that I can that I can rent for the day. I was looking at some options in Atlanta. I found some. None of them were really compelling. And then through talking to Christina, it reminded me of the Nashville class I did and how much fun I think it was for me and, and the attendees. Uh, I was going to Nashville for a wrestling show, uh, added the, the seminar onto it. And what I did was I just booked a big house on Airbnb with a living room big enough to do um, a group not as big as I normally do for classes. Sometimes with classes, I'm packing 20, 30, or however many people into those classes. Uh, when I did the, the class in the, the rented house in Nashville, I limited it to uh, around a dozen people, but I did two different sessions of it. I did a Monday and a Tuesday, and I think it worked out really well because everybody could just be more communal and really just chit-chat with each other and make more friendships. So I thought, hey... That'd be an awesome thing to do in Atlanta, and that's what I did. So I'm got, uh, I've got, i got uh, a class that I can officially announce, two of them, actually, 
Monday, November 18th, and Tuesday, November 19th in the Atlanta area. Uh, I think it's called Hapville, H-A-P-P-V-I-L-L-E. Uh, I rented a house, and on Airbnb, it's like uh, it's like a party house kind of a thing. It looks really swanky and cool. Uh, there's a lot of space around it. It's not in like a really tight neighborhood or anything like that. Uh, so there's going to be plenty of parking and just kind of a relaxed atmosphere. So if you want to sign up for that, uh, you can go ahead and check out Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook, or you can go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars. Uh, but those classes are open for registration now. You do have to choose which day you want. The registration is going to be for just one day. If you wanted to go to both, you're certainly welcome to, but it's going to be a ba- basically the same class each day. But uh, go ahead and sign up for that. Class is limited. I'm not going to just kind of pack that that house, even though I could probably squeeze a lot of people in there. Uh, I do want it to be a little bit more comfortable, relaxed, and just, you know, have it be fun. So uh, I hope you want to join me there uh, in Atlanta, November 18th and 19th. Um, One other thing we talk about is a a playlist. Uh, I'm really big on Spotify playlists. And usually when I take all these different trips, wherever I'm going in the U.S., outside of the U.S., uh, I make a new playlist for each trip and kind of like what's going on in my life around that trip. You know, maybe a few days or maybe a week leading up to it and then the trip itself and uh, all the songs that I hear, whether I'm at a restaurant or in a club or just out and about, wherever I hear different songs, I just add them to the playlist and it really kind of helps my awful memory. I can kind of remember where I was and what I was doing and listen to these playlists and I really enjoy it. And when I was in Nashville after the class, we went out to this club uh, or this bar, I think, called uh, Red Door and had a really killer music on. So I added a lot of tracks to a playlist on there, a lot of Janet Jackson on there. Uh, so I'm going to put the link to that on the uh, the Facebook page for this class. But you can also, if you're a Spotify person, uh, you can just go ahead and search Spotify for a, a playlist called Red Door uh, and it'll say by Ryan Willett and uh that's it. So you can go ahead and listen to that. It's a public playlist, and there's a couple other public playlists on there if you wanted to follow it. So before I get into uh, this interview, I just want to say a few thank yous to all the people who've decided to contribute on Patreon. I I didn't think that I would get anybody contributing to it, um, and I've been... you know, really humbled and kind of blown away by the the amount of support I've gotten on there. So I've got a, a new patron for the Warlock tier uh, named Amanda. That's the only information they decided to give, but I'm pretty sure that if you're listening to the show, you know who you are. So thank you very much, Amanda. I really appreciate that. And I just wanted to kind of touch base and just do an extra little thank you for all the other people who have contributed. So um, Leo Zebel. Uh, you're always really, really good feedback on the show, really, really kind and really supportive, so thank you very much. Uh, Jacob Kreps, again, thank you so much for your support. Uh, Zadimer Jewelry, uh, really one of those up-and-coming brands. I'm really excited to see where uh, Zadimer's at in maybe another year or two, the jewelry that they're releasing. Uh, I've really kind of been watching them on social media, and I've seen them grow and develop and come up with all these new ideas and refine their products. So uh, Zadimer, thanks for your support. I really appreciate that. Bador, also from from Punk Medics. Uh, Again, like I, I don't know how much one person could support the industry, but you do so many things for so many people. So thanks a lot for for everything you do. 
Uh, Amanda Johnson, thank you very, very much for your support uh, the past couple of months. I really do appreciate that. Uh, also, other mystery Amanda, thank you for your new support. And Aaron Solomon from Velvet Elvis, uh, definitely thanks for your support, bud. I, I really appreciate it. And, you know, all the advice that you gave me uh, when I was going out to the Pacific Northwest and, and coming on the show before. So I appreciate all of you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's not one of those things where I want to just kind of take it for granted and just like put a little money in my pocket. Um, I really do appreciate the support and I'll make sure that the money gets spent in some sort of good way that, that keeps the show going strong. So for now, uh, let's get into this nice and strong episode with Christina Outland and I'll be back a little bit at the end. Christina Outland. I work at Icon Tattoo and Body Piercing in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, you can find my piercing portfolio on Instagram. It is K-O underscore piercer. Was the first time we met at the, the class I did in Nashville? It was, yeah. It was during your freehand techniques class. Were you were you the first one or the second one? Uh, I believe I was the first one. What'd you think? Did it? How how was it? It was great. It was great because I've always been really interested in learning the freehand technique and bevel theory. To me, bevel theory was a very tough concept to grasp. Uh, and then like being able to do hands-on piercing with piercing banana peels and stuff like that. That really illustrated to me like how it actually works. Right. That was yeah. kind of the, the missing thing for me too, is like, I, I got it on paper, right. but I, I couldn't really recreate it with an actual needle and an actual client. So yeah, it took me a, mm -hmm. a while to figure it out. And I wanted to kind of just distill it down into something easy. I mean, mm -hmm. maybe not easy is the right, right, right word, but uh, just something that people could digest and be like, oh, okay, now it clicks for me and now I can actually do it. Absolutely. But, yeah, something uh, that helped me out was feeling the needle right you know being able to go oh this feels way smoother versus the opposite direction totally yeah because if everything is is theory based uh it, it doesn't really feel the same way i think that's kind of where some piercers run into trouble these days mm -hmm. especially because everything is online learning and it's facebook forums and classes and stuff like that but it's not a lot mm -hmm. of hands-on mentoring from someone like showing showing them how to do it actually in their own hands I, I think that just makes a huge difference absolutely it did yeah and in fact more than anything it helped my symptoms yeah. so much <laughs> cool yeah uh i also liked i like the environment that it was in because normally mm -hmm. i do them either in a shop or in like a conference space or something like that but this one like this was definitely one of those trips where I, I booked a seminar because there was a wrestling show I wanted to go to. And uh, I thought like, oh, you know, I'll get a house and, you know, just it'll be a little bit more relaxed or something like that. And I, I liked mm -hmm. it how it was kind of like a smaller, smaller group. And then we all just kind of hung out and had pizza for lunch and just kind of chatted. Totally. And I felt that like a more intimate environment was easier for us to like bounce ideas off of each other and like have discussions. Totally. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. sometimes when it's the larger classes... You know, when I have more than probably 20 people, everybody kind of starts to clam up a little bit because they're worried that they're going to be the person that says, like, the stupid thing or asks, like, the dumb question Absolutely. or something like that. Uh, so the, the smaller classes, I like them because it, it just feels more friendly and people can, like, make, make friends. You know, a lot of people were, like, chatting and hanging out. And I remember uh, you and me and a few other people went out to that, that club, that bar at the end of the night and yeah. had, like, all the really good music and it was fun. Yeah, and, and, you know, to touch on that as well, like, painting the environment ahead of time, it was easier for us to go, oh, okay, let's go to the bar and, like, recap on this. Now that we're friends, like, 
you know, let, let's kind of summarize. And it gave me a cool opportunity to like pick your brain a little bit more as well. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. I like stuff like that. Sometimes I, I try to focus too much on like pack as many people in as possible, you know, because I got to pay for the, mm-hmm. the flight and whatever to, you know, in the space and whatever to, to get out to teach the class. But, uh, I think I would mm-hmm. really like to maybe do stuff like that where it's two or three days of smaller groups instead of one day of a big group. I think, that would be really a cool idea I, I think that this like situation like I said this was my first class I took with yours outside of APP of course and it was just yeah it was cool and and people were they traveled to Nashville to go to that class you know I feel like it was well worth it and we, we all definitely appreciate it you know yeah yeah it was, it was a fun one that yeah. was one of the ones that sticks out in my head cool. as just being like just a fun class it wasn't like stuffy sometimes they can be a little bit stuffy i think when they're packed through with a lot of people there's a lot of pressure and expectation mm-hmm. of like all right let's just get into it and make sure that everybody can get their info by the end of the day instead of like yeah. okay let's hang out and you know what do you want to get for lunch and what are you doing after the class mm-hmm. and all that stuff yeah mm-hmm. yeah because sometimes it can be extremely nerve-wracking like i know it, sometimes at a conference the classes are massive and what if somebody has a question like it takes kind of a lot to stand up in front of a microphone phone you know and totally. and say that even though it's a completely relevant question and you know it is with a, whoever wants to say something everybody's looking at you so yeah mm-hmm. it was it was a lot more of a familial environment i enjoyed it the other thing that bugs me about larger scale classes and i don't necessarily mean mine but i mean like a conference is if one person chimes in and asks a question, the instructor might touch on it a little bit, but then there's 10 other people that want to shoot their hands up and be like, well, I want to try to impress the teacher, and I want to talk about the thing that I do in my shop, and I want to get some attention, and it gets real frustrating. I'm sure it could, especially as an instructor. I can see that snowballing pretty quick. Yeah, usually when I get put in a class... uh, Sometimes I teach a class solo, and it's really just like quick and to the point. And then other times mm-hmm. when I'm uh, instructing with another another person, especially if they're kind of newer at it, I'm there to be like the cop, basically, to make sure that everything stays mm-hmm. on track, to make sure that nobody tries to get up and hijack the class and is constantly like, well, I do right. this, and I do this, and I do this. It's like, okay, well, you know what? Let's Let's give the instructor a chance to talk about the way that they do it because they've got this whole class prepared. Right. Uh, that's I'm usually like that guy because uh, I'm I'm good at shutting people down. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could oftentimes too like some it could dilute the information that's already been covered. You know, people totally. their last thoughts are the slew of questions that occurred right before when you could have had an hour of very lucrative, awesome information. You know, right. it just right. gets lost really quickly. It's the same as. As if I were to talk about, and I personally like to talk about aftercare, while after they've the excitement is gone and they've seen that piercing, they're happy about it. Mm-hmm. You know, if I talk about it beforehand, I feel like so much has happened in between there and the end that they've forgotten that information. Yeah, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of different shops about how they incorporate the, the info that they want the clients to know. And a lot of them yeah. do it, like busier shops especially, they, they have their counter people do it. Um, while, while someone's waiting for their piercing, you know, so the process is they do the paperwork and the jewelry selection. And then while they're waiting that mm-hmm. 15 or 20 minutes for the piercer, they're talking to somebody about aftercare and this and that. And it's like, it's cool. But if someone is really psyched or really nervous to get their piercing, they're not going to be paying attention to the aftercare speech. They might just be like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Spray it with this. Uh-huh. Okay. Do this in the shower. Okay. Totally. And then at the end, yeah. 
the piercer might be like, do you have any questions? And they're like, nope, I just want to get that picture for Instagram and get out of here. Um, yeah. So I really like to, I, I like to do the piercing. And while I'm setting up, I'll say, hey, do you have any questions for me? Is there anything you want to go over mm -hmm. ahead of time? And most of the time people are going to be like, well, yeah, I'm just curious as, how to clean it. And I'll usually say like, well, you know, we're going to go over it in detail at the end. But, you know, the short version is, you know, don't touch it. Don't do this. And, you know, I'll, I'll give them like a five or ten second little bit of information just to kind of calm them down so they can kind of like mm -hmm. get centered and, and focus on the piercing. And then after, mm -hmm. uh, I'll have them lay there for a minute and, you know, oh, I'm just going to get rid of this stuff really quick. I'm going to clean up just a little. And how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. Okay, you're, you're feeling good. All right. Why don't you get up and check it out in the mirror? Oh, do you yep. want me to take a picture? Why don't you hand me your phone? I'll take a picture for you with your phone. Uh, and then once that like excitement it has kind of leveled back down a little bit then it's okay so now we're just going to talk about your aftercare well they can actually focus on it because i, I think mm -hmm. sometimes just like you said if you kind of work against their excitement they're not really going to retain that info no not at all you know i i like to try and put myself in clients shoes and go okay if you know and we take for granted like because we all of course get pierced and all kinds of stuff all the time but think of if like this is so-and-so's very first nostril piercing. They sure. have their earlobes already done. You know, they've been dreaming of this cute little nostril piercing, and that's all I want. They're already overwhelmed, in most cases, by jewelry choice alone, you know, and they just want something that looks really cute. And to me, I think the pressure really begins not only just walking in, but when you start choosing jewelry. You mm -hmm. know, we have put so much time and love into our display cases and we see it as something simple, but they see it as, oh my God, there's like three cases full of options. There's different materials. There's different shapes and sizes. How do I know it's going to fit? They're right. not going to listen to aftercare. You know, they're people. They, they need fluidity for it to be successful and for it to retain. And honestly, I will always stress on just don't sleep on it, you know, yeah. at the yeah. very end or even during placement alone. Do you favor a certain side when you sleep? You totally. know, and then at the end, let's talk about the boring stuff, if you will. Like, let's do aftercare. It's it's hard. It's a lot for people to retain. Yeah, th there have been points where I, I've had to learn kind of hard lessons in how I present my aftercare because mm -hmm. there was definitely an era where it was like, well, I didn't really understand aftercare and what chemicals to avoid or what things to use or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, hey, uh, you know go get some dial and some Bactine, uh, clean right. it a couple times a day. If you have a problem, let me know. Yeah. And then over time it started turning into like, well, okay, I want you to do this. And then when I really started to kind of learn the ins and outs of aftercare, I, I just got so excited and it was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to talk your ear off for 15 minutes and I'm going to drive all this stuff into your brain and you're yeah. going to forget 90% of it. Uh, and I, I remember I used to, um, I had a, a hand typed, aftercare sheet that was photocopied and stapled and it was five five pages long of of aftercare and i would Amazing. i would tell the person like it's extremely important that you read this entire thing and blah blah, 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 blah. yeah totally and like having that expectation of okay people are totally going to read this when most people are either going to throw it out as soon as they get home or yep. leave it on their bus or, or something like that and it's not going to matter so mm -hmm. uh then over the years 
boiled it down into something very simple. It's just kind of like a pamphlet where there is information if they want it, but it's not drowning them in information. And then what I like to do is either circle or highlight anything that's like really key, you know, like um, I, I suggest wound wash saline spray, so I'll, I'll circle that. Right. And uh, now what I try to tell people is really, just like you said, the bullet points. Um, you really don't want to touch your piercing. That's where most of the problems come from. Mm -hmm. This is really the only product I would suggest you use on it. Try to avoid other things. And, and I, I like to use the phrase, uh, if you wouldn't put something in your eye, don't put it on your piercing. It's yeah, really, really simple. Yeah, mm -hmm. just like boil it down. Yeah. And if you can give people information where when they hear it, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Then they're going to retain it better. If they have to, like, research and do homework and try to memorize something, that it's not going to be as effective. So if you can simplify it into just, like, do this, don't do this. If you have a problem, let me know. Yeah, uh, I think you get a, a lot better healing results. And I've seen piercings now that 10 years ago, I would have lots of people coming in with issues, you know, and some of that was because I didn't understand placement and jewelry quite as well. But I think a big part of it is I wasn't good at conveying my aftercare information. And now that I can convey it easily and say like, okay, this, this and this cool. And they're like, yeah, totally. And I think I get way better healing results because of it. Absolutely. You know, and I think like overcomplicating things is a way of us showing our clients that we care. Like it's very serious business for us and we want to make sure that things go well. Um, so a lot of times we'll be just extremely verbose because we want to just pack all this information onto this person immediately. Like, hey, you know, take care of this piercing. Like all of these things are going on and, and this and this and this and this. And it's because when we have them sent home and they're ready to just go about the rest of their lives. Like we want to make sure that they have all that information. And I feel like it, it is, it, it's a way of us showing that we care. But to me, what I like to stress is enjoy your piercing. If you mm -hmm. are thinking so hard during your shift at work, you know, lunch with mom and dad, whatever the situation may be. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't clean my piercing for the third time today. You know, yeah. you're not enjoying it. Um, right. Less is more always. Forget Definitely. it's there. Show it off. But a couple of points, you know, like like you said as well, don't sleep on it. Don't touch it, touch it or turn it, you know, unless you unless you really need to. If you need to for any reason at all, wash your hands, you know, right. easy right. stuff. Um, I even tell people too, like, don't go at it with Q-tips. That's my personal thing. Just, just, you know, less is more. The more you yeah. try to scrub it. And also too, don't listen to your friends or the internet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> the, the the thing that I've been kind of adding on to my speech over maybe the last six months or so is if you have any questions, here is my card and contact information. You can email me or call me at any point. You're never bothering me. It's part of my job. Uh, but, you know, really try not to just go straight to Google because you're going to find 20 different opinions and a lot of them are going to be really wrong. So if you ever have a question mm -hmm. or if you ever want to vary from the aftercare in any way, like I'm not going to say ignore all the other information out there, but if it varies from my information, just reach out and, and, and ask me the, the question about it or ask me my opinion. And I'll usually end up telling you uh, why it's not going to be a, a great idea and I'll explain why, you know, but mm -hmm. if you have those questions, always reach mm -hmm. out and, and, and contact me. Yeah, and that, that kind of ties in really well the point that I was wanting to make when we first started talking about this idea. Being personable with people because, right. like it or not, we can be intimidating sometimes. We have 
all this knowledge we have all these piercings we have all this beautiful jewelry in our face you know and to a person that wants one nostril piercing they're gonna feel like you said in the class situation they're gonna feel stupid asking the question so if you paint an entire environment around this person and you're happy around them and you're excited to do you know your 15th nostril of the day but it's still no less exciting when they do or if they do run into a complication to me, they're a thousand times more likely to hit you up. I, I always tell everybody, I live on social media. There is not a time in my day where a phone is not in my hands unless I'm piercing. Shoot me a message. I'll be happy to get back to you as soon as possible. You know, big things too, since we're in Nashville, very touristy city right now. Hey, where are you from? Where are you headed after this? Because I'm going to recommend that you downsize your jewelry. Oh, I'm not from here. Well, here's the safepiercing.org website. You can type in your zip code and find, you know, excellent studios in your area so that I know that you're well taken care of after this experience. Right. You know, make sure that there's a follow up for them. I, I do. I do try to give them access but mm-hmm. at a certain point i i don't want to give them too much access not to say that like i'm i'm unavailable but uh a couple yeah, things we have is lives. like oh totally you know i i always give i give every single person i interact with whether i pierce them or not whether they got something done in my studio or not if they come in and ask a question or purchase anything or get a piercing i always give them a card mm-hmm. even if they've been in 10 times before i still give them a card every time mm-hmm. and i always say if you have any questions you can always contact me but the contact options that i give them are, are a little bit limited sure. i do have my facebook and my instagram on the card um, but i usually try to direct them towards my my work email and mm-hmm. uh i you know I've, I've met some people that they're they're more comfortable answering messages on on facebook or instagram or sometimes they even give out their their personal you know, email or cell phone number or something like that. I don't, I don't know that I feel comfortable with that, but I always want to make sure they have access. You know, oh, and yeah. if it is something important or or some sort of an uh, emergency type situation, you know, I'll I'll answer a Facebook message or an Instagram. Mm-hmm. But if it's like a kind of a smaller casual thing, I'll say, well, if you don't mind, I'm just going to have you email me at this address, and I'm going to get back to you as soon as I'm in the office. Um, but yeah, That's I, I want to really make smart. people. I like that. Yeah, I I want to I want people to feel valued because uh, I wouldn't want to message someone and have them just blow me off, you know. So if someone sends me an Instagram message, I'm not going to be like, yeah, I don't answer work messages on here, blah. I always just, you know, mm-hmm. if it's an important thing, I'll be like, here's a quick answer. If you want more info, these are my business hours. Contact me during business hours. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I do now. I do want to have that line between personal and professional lives. There was a, there was a good point where it was like i'm available 24 7 to everyone because this is my life and uh it, it, that burnt me out pretty hard but it the, the lesson i had to learn from that was you can't decrease your customer service or your customer experience um mm-hmm. like you can you can maintain uh that presence without constantly being switched on like 24 hours a day you know that's a really great point because that's something that I've been struggling with lately. And it was really funny when I was uh, doing, you know, my apprenticeship, of course, we have to bring in our own clientele and let them know ahead of time that, you know, help me learn if you would like to. So I made these cheap little business cards to hand out whenever I'd go to a bar or restaurant or something and try to recruit people. And it had my personal cell phone number on it. And I'm telling you right now, I learned within three weeks that it was like such a bad idea. Right. (laughs) And then after that, it snowballs and they give their friends that number. And 
I wrote it out, you know, it helped me in retrospect get the clientele I needed to kind of learn and progress, but I will never do it again. <laughs> sure, sure. And, and I think because I'm so new, I'm so excited and I'm like, yeah, 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 you know, here's how you get in touch with me, no, no holds barred. But it is, it's getting to the point where three o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, you know, things, times when I'm asleep or with family or something, and I feel pressure to answer because I've done right. that. Right. You know, and that, that's a great point is forming boundaries for yourself and for your own mental health. I, I, I want customers to feel like they can send me the message, send me the question 24 yeah. hours a day, but I don't necessarily want to create that precedent that I will reply 24 hours like a, a day, you know? So, yeah. you know, if I'm, if I'm out and about, you know, if I'm at an event or if I'm doing something in my, my personal life, I'm having dinner or whatever, and I get that notification that there's an email, I'm going to check mm -hmm. the notification and just be like, oh, I'm just going to take a quick look and, and yeah. see what's what. And if it's one of those things where it's like, this can wait till tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, but if it's one of those things that this person needs to know right now, like as a good example, I did a, a scarification piece on somebody uh, two days ago and they flew in from North Carolina and uh, mm -hmm. I, I walk through all the aftercare and usually when people fly in, I say, don't take this bandage off until you get home. Like you're fine to leave this bandage on for, you know, two days if you, if you needed to, but yeah. uh, take the bandage off when you get home uh, and then, you know, re-clean it, re-bandage it this way and da da da. And if you have any questions, let me know. And especially when it comes to scarification, I definitely put a, a slightly higher priority on that just because of, you know, the, the nature of it. But Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so they took off their bandage and then they had some bleeding and the, the bleeding, uh, it wasn't excessive or dangerous, but it was just one of those things where it made them nervous because they'd never had scarification before. I might've done a thousand, but that was the the one and only that they had gotten. So I wanted to make sure that I replied back right away. And within five or 10 minutes of getting the email, I wrote out this message, you know, okay, here's what you want to do. It's no big deal. That's really common with this. Here are mm -hmm. the steps you can take do this and then follow up with me in like a few hours. Or if you have continued problems, just send me another message whenever you want. And, and you know, situations like that, I, I need to be there for the client. I don't want to reply a week later and be like, Oh, I hope you're okay. But you know, totally. um, but sometimes if it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, uh, I wanted to come in for a piercing sometime. Could you give me an idea on pricing or availability? Like, I'm not going to reply to that message at yeah. two in the morning. You know, that's going to be like, once I shower and have my shoes on, I'm back in the shop, you know, or, or whatever, you know, like I'll, I will message you at noon when I'm in the office, you know? Right. Uh, but still, yeah, I want, I want clients to know my name and to know me as a person and to know that when they, when they pay for a service or even when they just interact with me or, or whatever, uh, that there's support that comes along with that, especially in, in a higher end studio where you're charging a higher ticket and you're saying like, okay, we have this amazing jewelry that's got these lifetime guarantees and this and that. Mm -hmm. uh, I want people to know that part of the price tag is uh, accessibility right. and, you know, support and, and, and long-term customer service. Well, and a really good kind of parallel with that, you know, and I really like you're acknowledging the person and going, hey, you know, I see this message. Can you, you know, email me at a later date and we'll talk about it kind of thing. It's the mm -hmm. same parallel as if we're in a very busy studio and there's four people already at the case and they're all browsing and they're being spoken to. People that walk 
walk in behind them, you know, we like for everybody at our counter to like wave and go, hey, welcome in. Thank you for coming to Icon. We'll be with you in just a moment and mm -hmm. acknowledge their presence. And then they realize, OK, I've been spoken to. I'm now waiting for a reply. And they're more, you know, privy to go going, OK, I am appreciated. And I understand that they're people and they're just busy right now. Right. right. You know, those are just some of the basic principles of retail business you know like i i worked Absolutely. in retail before i was a piercer and mm -hmm. when i was when i was trained for it it was one of those things where they said you know if the phone rings you need to answer it in three rings or less you know yep. if a person walks through the door you need to greet them within five to ten seconds you know you don't want to have this awkward air you know like think of when anytime you've gone into a store and mm -hmm. you, you just you're in there for like a minute and you're just kind of standing there being like um somebody like, can help me <laughs> you feel you feel like you're not valued as a as a client so same thing in my studio you know we don't we don't do appointments you know we're walking only so there mm -hmm. there can be pileups definitely on busier days absolutely uh, i'm fortunate enough where i have full-time counter staff and there are some days where i have counter staff and a jewelry assistant and then mm -hmm. myself and that that's basically the the line that I tell everybody when they start is, you know, it's your responsibility to greet someone, to make them feel valued, you know, to, to make sure that they don't feel ignored uh, or, or taken for granted or anything like that. Because customers can just walk through any other door, but they chose your door. So, you know, don't make them regret that decision. Right. Like just maintaining basic levels of communication, you know. So say, for instance, I have three piercings that are already in the statum, the jewelry's running, and then I have a jewelry change. You know, if, if I speak to that person, hey, you know, Sandra, you can come back and get your seam ring, I make sure to talk to the others waiting, hey, I'm just going to do a really quick jewelry change. Your jewelry's actually in the process of being sterilized, so as soon as that finishes up, I'll be ready to kind of continue on. So right. that they don't see a person and then them go, well, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was here for like 20 minutes like why sure. is this person going it's just basic communication or you know hey thank you so much for your patience just had to catch up on a couple things with the past client you're welcome to come on back you know sure just sure. so they know what's going on they're so much more calm that way that was a tougher thing for me to get as my as my business has grown uh, as things have gotten more complicated more busy more options more more clients I have had to learn how to juggle them without, mm -hmm. number one, without making them feel ignored, but number two, without making me look less professional because I'm mm -hmm. just this frazzled mess of <laughs> like trying to run back and forth between people. Yeah, absolutely. So now we have a, a whole process. You know, the, 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 the front counter staff, they're going to handle the paperwork and the IDs, make sure all that stuff is ready. And then mm -hmm. sometimes when I have that jewelry assistant, they'll kind of cue the person up and they'll say, all right, these are all your options. Give me an idea of what you like. And, you know, maybe best case scenario, I come up to, to get the next client and they've already got jewelry picked out and all that stuff. I can see if they have any questions or if there are any like, you know, anatomical concerns. Mm -hmm. And then I'll take the jewelry out of the case or out of my back stock and then I'll, I'll run it in the statum. But uh, at that point, you know, they're already going to be just kind of floating out in in the ether. So mm -hmm. uh, I'll go up and I'll get the release form. I'll talk to them and then I'll, I'll communicate with them and be like, okay, I'm going to go sterilize your jewelry. It's going to take around eight to ten minutes. I'm going to be right back out. You can have a seat right here. If you have any questions, you can let this person right here know. And 
Uh, I'll be out in just a few minutes if you have any additional questions. And then they, they feel like, okay, I'm, I'm valued. This person's going to disappear for a few minutes, but it's because they're working on my my service that I've requested. It's kind of like when you go to a restaurant and the, the wait staff will come up and can I take your order? And then you, you understand that in that 10 or 15 minutes where you're waiting for your food, it's because there's someone preparing it for you. Correct. If you just walk in and you say like, uh, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to get a cheeseburger eventually, but I don't, I don't know what's going on. You're, you're going to feel more awkward and, and more ignored. So I like to mm -hmm. do that. And then when I have multiple clients stacked up, same thing that you said is I like to talk to them. I'll say, okay, just so you know, you know, there are two clients ahead of you. Uh, one's a jewelry change, one's a piercing. I'm going to probably be with you in about 20 minutes. I'm going to come mm -hmm. up in between clients. If you have any questions, we can pick out some jewelry, but you've got a little bit of time, so don't feel like you have to rush. Mm -hmm. But it's all communication. Mm -hmm. It really is. It's super important. It's funny you bring up restaurants. I was out uh, eating with my mom and dad the other day, uh, and we ordered a couple of cocktails and they took forever. And like, we were starting to get a little bit antsy and we're like wondering kind of what's going on. Cause the place doesn't seem very busy. Um, the second we were like wondering what was going on, a manager came by this, uh, the table and was like, Hey, you know, thank you so much for your patience. Can I get you like some chips and salsa? Can we do like more water for the moment? We're actually training a bartender right now and I really appreciate your patience. And then immediately we were like, Oh, wow, that's awesome. And then we noticed that the same bartender was also waiting tables too. You know, right. so there was a lot going on and it was just, mm -hmm. it was just that simple communication. And like you said, it's basic retail, it's restaurant experience. That's why I think like you have to have a lot of other, you know, part-time or full-time job experience before you do something like this, because it teaches you how to manage it all. Right. Right. If you've never worked uh, retail or service industries before and you just jump into this job there are going to be a lot of skills that you might not necessarily have on yeah. day one and you'll have to develop and a lot of it is time management communication customer service all, all those different things that go into a successful business like it's mm -hmm. not it's not a coincidence that shops that put a lot of effort into customer service are some of the the most loved and like well-reviewed shops out there because they they make the clients mm -hmm. feel valued and rather than ignored i've 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 had a lot of different uh customer interactions over over my years and mm -hmm. when i was younger when i was less mature and i didn't really understand uh how to how to you know, how to, how to properly service a client verbally. Yeah. Uh, I, it, it was, it wasn't a great experience, you know, like I could nail a piercing, I could do a great, awesome piercing, but mm -hmm. then the client might still be like, oh yeah, he was kind of cold and yeah. not really rude, but I didn't really feel like it was really my, like the client might've gotten an awesome piercing, but they might not have gotten something compelling enough to bring them back a second time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just kind of one of those things and it gives me less anxiety. Like, Okay, I know in my head because you know we're thinking about what kind of what needle what gauge needles we're going to use, what kind of jewelry, what size, what you know piercing it is, who all is behind it, like trying to get everything, you know, situated and organized. In my head, I have less anxiety and I have the capabilities to organize better when I've spoken to them and I know okay they're not out there antsy and waiting on me. They're good, they're happy, they're relaxed. Now I can kind of start putting things together and getting stuff going. Right. Totally. Yeah. And it just so, helps you through the day. When it comes to all those factors, you know, as a piercer, you or I, it feels very comfortable to us. But how do you, how do you take 
a, a busy day, a couple of clients piling up, and then you have that client that's just they're terrified, they're really nervous, and you need to you need to slow things down, and you need to just level with them one on one as a as a human being. Like, mm-hmm. what are some of the steps you would take when those nervous clients come in on a busy day, and how do you how do you incorporate that that into your day and give them the best service, but also give the the next person the best service? You know, I think relatability is a really big deal for this situation. Um, ensuring them, hey, the feelings that you're feeling, they're normal. It's common. Everybody goes through it. Don't feel embarrassed for any reason at all. You know, and then I even make the joke and they may or may not believe me. They typically don't. I also get extremely nervous before piercings. And I told I get pierced all the time and it does not deter from the fact that I have butterflies. My palms are sweaty. You know, I don't know if it's going to hurt super bad or not. And we all know in our heads that it's going to be okay. But I tell them the anticipation is far worse than the piercing itself. I promise, you know, just tell them we're going to go through this one step at a time. If at any point you want me to stop or you have questions, please let me know, you know, and then at some point, like I wanted to touch on earlier, being approachable, being happy, talk about something else besides the piercing you're about to do. Tell, do you have any cool things planned for the rest of the day? You know, whatever may come up to kind of take their mind away from it for a moment. Yeah. Some of that stuff, some of that stuff is still challenging for me, but I, I totally feel that when you have that kind of tension in the air or someone's nervous, the best way to break it is to just have some sort of a human moment with them. You know, I'll say the same thing. Like, Oh, you know, I used to get pierced all the time when I was in my teens and twenties. And now like I, I never get pierced anymore because I'm, I'm too nervous, you know, and then people will look at me and be like, you, you got all kinds of stuff. And it's like, Yeah. yeah, even me, like I've got all this stuff and I still get nervous. It's totally normal because kind of like you said earlier, mm-hmm. We might have done this a thousand times, but this might be their first experience. And we need to right. let them know that it's like what you're feeling is is totally natural. Like I get I get nervous. Everybody gets nervous. It's totally mm-hmm. fine. Hey, do you have any questions? Is there any info that I can give you? And, and yeah. I, I think a lot of times people come back with that, well, on a one to ten scale. And I, I really oh. don't like to answer that question because it's it's never the same for anybody, you know. But right. I always try to say well, I, I don't really like to do the whole one to ten scale thing, but I can tell you it's it's a lot worse in your mind than it is in reality. You know, 1, if you can just if you can just step out of it and just let yourself relax a little bit. You know, the piercing itself, it's only gonna be a second or two, and then that's it, you know? So just try to breathe and relax. It's not gonna be anything terrible. Like if you've ever stubbed your toe, you've had worse, you know. So don't don't worry so much about it. Absolutely. And during the process, like I like to tell everybody you know, while I'm kind of checking their jewelry to make sure it works nice and, you know, I've got all my tools and things that I need that's going to work. Um, you know, hey, if if we're just going to get through it step by step, I'm going to describe exactly what's going on. I like to pierce on an exhale. I'll let you know exactly when to breathe. And I always tell them it's just going to be a nice quick in and out. And by the time you're done breathing, we're, we're done. And you, you will have had your piercing. You know, it's going to be easy. Um, tell them, be realistic tell them that it's going to be uncomfortable you know yes it will hurt but it's manageable pain right right i i i try to like uh almost deflect the the pain questions because yeah you know some uh, i'll i'll acknowledge it but then i'll kind of deflect into something else you know so oh how bad would you say this hurts and i'll be like well it's just a tiny pinch it's only going to take a second it's going to mm-hmm. be pretty easy mm-hmm. and then and then once they kind of like 
once they get to hear something of like, I'm going to make it through this, then it just kind of like a switch got flipped and they're just like, okay, all mm-hmm. right. You know, and like, they can be a lot better. And, you know, I'd say one of the more common piercings where I get nervous people would be like nipples, you know, and it's really common where the, the client is laying there on the table and I'm ready to go and they're prepped, uh, but they're just, they, they just can't jump off that ledge, you know, so I always mm-hmm. try to, you know, just, just, just look at me for a minute, you know, just try to focus on your breathing and mm-hmm. just focus on that, you know, try not to fixate so much on the piercing that you make yourself nervous and just relax. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to line some, some things up. You might feel a little bit of pressure from my fingers, but I'm not going to pierce you just yet. And I like to kind of carry them into it gradually. Mm-hmm. I don't like to have them be nervous and untouched and then just go right into the piercing. So Totally. And nine times out of 10, what happens after their piercings, nipples or anything? Wow, that was not near as bad as I thought it was going to be. Like, I'm so happy. And to tie back into what we were talking about earlier about your freehand, you know, classes, um, bevel theory, I noticed a huge change in people's reactions, namely, honestly, with nipples, too. Wow, that hardly hurt at all. That was incredible. Like, you know, I feel great. Like, it's over. I did it. And I noticed a big change in technique and how that can also, you know, affect how they perceive the pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think uh, bevel theory has so many different benefits, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion, you know, uh, because when you're clamping, the clamps are going to be uncomfortable. And a lot of times when you're piercing yeah. with a clamp, you've got that like zap and it's over kind of like technique where it's just like shove it through as quick as possible and be done with it sort of thing. And I think all those things can feel like so much of a jolt to a client that it's like a who and it, and it, and it uh-huh. really keeps them tense uh so with freehand the whole process is slowed down a lot more you know and you're, mm-hmm. you're using your fingers in place of the clamps and you're lining things up a lot more and you have you have that contact with the client uh and you can kind of ease your way into it and then you can you know focus on their breathing and look like i'm I, i'm ready are you ready you know and then it's like okay now just uh, take a deep breath in mm-hmm. and out another deep breath in and then we're going to go on your exhale and uh, and it's done. And I just think that that is so much easier for a nervous client than something like a, I'm going to put a clamp on it. It's going to hurt. And then I'm going to shove through this other thing and that's going to hurt. And mm-hmm. then it's like, ah, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and part of the, the technique with my piercing these days is it's a lot of managing the, the client, you know, getting them to be grounded and, and to breathe and try, try to get their head out of that moment of like, there's a needle coming at me, you know, and just like, just focusing on, on just their breathing and I, all that stuff is just, it's all a connection and it's, it's a type of customer service in a way where you're kind of managing the person's tension and anxiety. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And during the actual piercing itself, matching the energies with their chest rising and falling and match their breath deep nice breath in and exhale and it's just this nice fluid controlled piercing it's very satisfying you know even with me with freehand that i've enjoyed most something as simple as my tray um piercing 11 year olds earlobes and coming at them with clamps that are big and shiny and scary or even just anybody really coming at them with tools it's just the appearance beforehand right now i can set up my tray and it's minimalistic and i can even fold the sterile gauze over the needle to where they don't see it at all so to them you know there's no sharp scary stuff there's no big shiny tools there's no uncomfortability and anxiety you know it just streamlined even the setup which i really liked a lot yeah i I try to talk to um 
newer piercers, when, I, when we get to that phase where we're talking about setups and equipment and all that stuff, and I, I try to say, like, well, think about whenever you go to the dentist and how nervous you mm -hmm. get seeing that tray full of, like, sharp, pointy stuff that's going to go in your mouth. Yeah. You know? And it's the same thing with piercing. And, and again, we've seen it thousands of times over. So for us, it's like it's like nothing at all, you know? Mm -hmm. And to a client, that might be the first time they've ever seen a piercing needle mm -hmm. or a clamp or a whatever tool you're using. So if you can kind of minimize those things or if you can just distract them from it, whether you have like some sort of a sleight of hand kind of built into your technique where you're palming something or whether something's just covered with, with gauze until mm -hmm. you're ready to use it, all those things just make it so much easier for the client. They really do. And, you know, I personally like to use clamps on children's earlobes. I feel mm -hmm. like it's safer and it gives me a little bit more control um, just in case in the offhand chance that they move or something happens. Um, and we actually got those little disposable uh, ones that you can sterilize, and they're shorter, so you can mm -hmm. palm them completely to where they can't really see anything. They see, like, a little bright blue loop coming out of your hand. Like, mm -hmm. it looks so much less jarring. And I've actually noticed, you know, you can tell when you go to clamp a child, they sort of turn their head and look at you like, what are you doing? This makes me feel nervous. And I right. noticed even in just their general, general behavior that they don't respond the same now. It's sort of like this, okay, yeah, you can, you can hold my earlobe. That's fine. And, mm -hmm. and it's so much more smooth. Yeah. For when it, when it comes to little kids specifically, like that was, that was tough for me. I have never been comfortable around kids. I've never Neither wanted kids. <laughs> I've never been a babysitter and yeah. any of that stuff. So when I started kind of being more open-minded to piercing younger kids, you know, I, I don't pierce younger than six typically. Right. Uh, and with, with those clients, they're very nervous, but a lot of times little kids are super tough. It's not the sensation that that's the problem. It's the, it's the anxiety and the, mm -hmm. the tension and, and just the moment. So mm -hmm. I've got a completely separate technique for, for piercing little kids. And that's influenced the way that I pierce nervous adults too. And yeah, a lot of it is just, uh, you know, constantly maintaining consent the whole time. Like, okay, I'm mm -hmm. just going to, I'm going to mark your ear. Is that okay? Cool. Mm -hmm. All right. How's this? That's not so bad, right? Cool. All right. Now I'm going to do this. You're going to feel me just holding your earlobe a little bit. And, and are you feel like you're ready to go? You want to get an earring today? And it's like this constant, like, yes, like I want this. I'm cool with this. I'm comfortable with this. And again, it's all just communication. It really is. And, um, when we were touching on relatability with clients, I also struggle with just trying to be approachable with a child. It, it's very hard for me to communicate. I've even made the joke with Ian where, you know, I feel like I'm coming out and hello, uh, small, tiny human. May I shake your right. hand? You know, and it, right. it seems really weird. And it took a lot of time to go, okay, well, let me think for just a split second. If I were this tiny child, what would they want to hear? You know, yeah. give me a big yeah. hug. Are you so excited? Are you can have you told all your friends about these cool new piercings you're going to get, you know, just try and hype them up. And, and that it's hard. It's extremely hard uh, yeah. to, to be relatable and to calm them down. I, I found that when I, when I used to talk to kids and, and let me just, let me just state first that when I, when I have my entire interaction for a youngster, I can be superhuman looking for about 30 minutes tops and it's it's all an act and it's all like it's like a stand-up comedy routine where i've yeah. worked it out over time and i know exactly what's what'll work and what won't work but when it, when i started piercing little kids i felt like 
uh, I, I got a dog once and brought the dog home with me from the, the, the place I got it. And it was like, hello, dog, you will be my best friend, dog. And that's, that's how I would talk to a child. It, yep. it would be like, hello, small human. Do you want to get your earrings today? That is cool. I am trying <laughs> yep. to not be scary. Absolutely. And now it's like, hey, what's your favorite color? And like, oh, that's cool. Do your do your friends at school have it done? Yours is going to be way cooler. And yep. are you sure you want to get both? You don't want to just get one and look like a cool pirate? And like all like these are really <laughs> stupid lines, you know? But like kids love it and it works, you know? But I, I, I had to work. I had to work on my, mm-hmm. my process for little kids. Definitely it did not come naturally to me. It's a tough thing. Yeah, me neither. I, I'm really big, too, like, on those cheesy, hokey, like, dad jokes. The other day, I had this really cool, she was, like, 10 years old, getting her earlobes done. She had already had two bad experiences with guns, and mom did some research and came in. I was very thankful about that. Um, super nervous, did her whole prep. We're getting through it. Everything's good. And then I started just painting an iodine mustache on her face. <laughs> Yeah, And she just immediately loosened up. She made a Mario joke. and we, Her mom and dad took a lot of photos. And, and then by the time it was ready to get set up for the piercing, she was good, you know? Right. And, and to, to me as well, like what we touched on earlier as, as well, like this is their, this is monumental. Like they're going to remember this experience. Let's make it fun. Do you remember the, the time you got your earlobes pierced and they put a mustache on your face? Like mm-hmm. that was so funny. And you know what we also run into and i'm sure and positive that you do as well parents are nervous parents are so nervous that's sometimes more than the kid absolutely you know are the marks correct and all this and that and i want to see all of this and i completely am okay with that in all ways but to me making their child laugh is going to put them at ease and it makes you feel like sure about what you're doing because there's time to cut up you know, there's there's a relaxed atmosphere. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that feels like sometimes I, re- I really just want the opportunity to like just do it over and over and over again. You know, like mm-hmm. when I when I pierce a- adults, it's like it's all day, you know, stack them up, you know, teenagers or adults yep. all day. And then when it's a when it's like a kid's earlobe, it's like maybe I'll do one in a week because like I, I book them before we open. Typically I'll book them an hour before we open so that it's, it's just them. They get a hundred percent of my focus. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, sometimes I feel like, you know, maybe I should just have a whole day where it's just like little kids back to back. But then I start to think like, Nope, I'm going to want to tear my hair out after three clients. And it's not usually because of the kid. It's usually because of the parent. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And you know, we understand why and all that good stuff, but it doesn't make it any less exhausting. Because, you know, you're trying to reassure the parents, you're trying to reassure the child, you're trying to do good work safely. It can be a lot. And and it's exhausting. Even typically after I pierce a minor, like, I I need kind of a moment. Like, just take a breath, you know, give me a couple seconds and then start with the next people. Right. To kind of, like, defrag your mind just for a little bit. Because, yeah, I I feel feel like like... there's a lot of personality types where it is natural to them and i'm a little bit jealous because yeah. you know i can cut up with pretty much anybody until it is that situation and it is it's a, it's a daily worked on skill i think my uh my other piercer evan is going to be awesome mm-hmm. when it comes to to piercing little kids like for right now i just i prefer it to be me if someone is under 10 i i would really prefer it to be done by the, you know the studio owner the mm-hmm. senior piercer whatever 
Uh, but I, Evan is just so sweet and natural, and he's got kids, and uh, I think he'd be great at it. So I think I'm probably going to start opening it up to uh, to him doing it, just so we we have a little bit more availability for it. But I, I feel like uh, your mentality for customer service and my mentality for customer service are, are pretty pretty close. I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm really liking talking to to piercers these days when they really start to focus on. Uh, the the person and not just you know look at this amazing gold piece of jewelry that I can mm-hmm. take a picture of and put on Instagram it's like okay this mm-hmm. is a person that you're connecting with and you're changing their life yeah and you know we we have such pride in doing things with an elevated experience we have incredibly like it's very high quality jewelry we have all of these classes we've taken we've you know we we participate in all different kinds we we perpetually research and understand and grow but then we talk about the experience well to me the experience with clients talking to them that is also painting a fine jewelry sort of situation a, a higher in studio situation that also matters. That is part of it all, you know? Right. Nine times out of ten, somebody's going to come back again. And, yeah, okay, cool, the jewelry's fine, and, you know, it's really pretty, and I get it. But that piercer was hilarious, though. You know? Right. It, it's yeah. important. It's important. Yeah. So yeah. why go to all of the work, all of the research, all of the time that we all put in, and not give each client undivided attention to the best of your abilities, you know? Yeah, There's they're all time. they're all different skills. If you step back and you you think about, okay, who are the piercers that you look up to, and mm-hmm. don't just look at their Instagram posts. You mm-hmm. know, look at the text that goes along with it, or, or look at look at their studio websites, or you know, ask to go and check the place out and just see how they they talk and interact and what the layout of their shop is and what the customer service experience is like before mm-hmm. they even get into the piercing room. All those things are, are really lessons that I would like to see a lot of piercers pay attention to. Yeah, because the studio is the culture, you know? You are a reflection of where you work. And if everybody's jovial and relaxed and cool, you know, and on top of that, we have really nice jewelry and we'd use modern safe techniques, like, wow, what a cool thing from start to finish, from the counter person to the experience, to the counter person saying goodbye. You know, when I was at Deep Roots, uh, I had the opportunity to kind of see some of their training on their new counter employees. And they said, and I loved this, the counter employees are the bookends of the studio. So they're the first thing the client sees and the last thing the client sees, you know, and having a good counter person will also attribute to the environment and help the piercing procedure go smooth, you know? Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. I never even thought of it that way, but mm-hmm. it's it's totally right because they're usually the person that says hello and goodbye mm-hmm. in, in a shop. Mm-hmm. And they could have the best experience in the world, but if the counter person's sour, that's again the last thing on their mind. And oh, you know, believe it's just me, part I know. Of it. <laughs> I I, I uh, un- unfortunately the only negative reviews on online for my shop were from poor experiences with uh, with someone at the counter you know so sure. uh now we, we we really try to focus on the entire experience and not just the tattoo not just the piercing not just the jewelry sale you know it's like what's the entire experience like i want someone leaving with a smile on their face i love it when people are like oh yeah this person at the front counter was so nice and so helpful and it was great and i love talking to them and it's like awesome cool. yeah that's that's literally their job just the other day i was uh working with my counter tristan she's an amazing person super duper nice um, and middle of the afternoon, we we're playing metal music, you know, not thinking about it. 
and uh, had a couple clients come back and she looked at me at one point while I was doing the prep and she's like, you know, not to be that person, but the music's kind of making me feel a lot of anxiety right now. And I was mm -hmm. like, you know what? No problem at all. I apologize because I told her, I don't really hear music anymore. Like I'm focused right. on it's you. Just background. So I'm going to go and I changed the music to something else and asked her, like, is that a little bit better for you? Like the experience. And she was just floored. Wow. Like you really did that for me I'm like yes absolutely because it's more important to me that you feel comfortable because i don't even know what song's playing right now you know if it's something that simple it took two seconds change the ipad thing good we're we're fine now and that that to her she said later you know i know you guys are a little bit more expensive but i feel like i bought an experience and that really stuck with me and i think that we all sort of forget that sometimes you know i think it's important to recall that people are affected by us you know yeah we, we actually have a term for it in my shop called wallpaper music. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you, you don't want to just, you don't want to stare at the wall. You know, you want to think about the th the paintings that hang on the wall. And it's the same thing with music. Like the music shouldn't be the central focus. It should just be something in the background that mm -hmm. kind of fills that dead air. But it, it lets people relax. You don't want to have anything super aggressive and rah rah and it's yeah. like i know that that might be what we want to listen to on our own time but this is not our own time this is work right we are here for the clients so we want something to keep the clients happy and comfortable and it's like it's not going to be my maybe first pick for what i want to listen to every day but it's going to be great for the clients absolutely and and that was the first time i'd actually experienced something like that and it really opened my eyes so you know we have speakers or sonos speakers that go in each booth and, you know, each person can turn up and down and stuff like that. So you can control the volume. But now I'm a lot more mindful of the content, you mm -hmm. know, like pick something that people know. Like a good case in point, the playlist that you sent me uh, from Red Door, you know, yeah. like fun stuff to a certain degree or something just really super chill and instrumental. Right. You know what I should do when, when this podcast goes live, when I do the Facebook post for it, I should do a link to that Spotify playlist. It's it was such a, really a good, good playlist. It's so good. I still refer to it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and well, it's lighthearted. I feel like this is probably a good place to start winding it down and, and wrapping up. Okay. Um, what's uh, what's your info again for people when they want to find you? Sure. Um, my name's Christina Outland. I work at Icon Tattoo and Body Piercing. My professional portfolio on instagram is ko underscore piercer knockout <laughs> cool well i appreciate you talking to me especially kind of on short notice i know we only kind of brought this subject up just a few days ago so i'm, I'm glad that we got to uh to get it scheduled yeah thank you for asking me i had a really fun time awesome cool well uh i look forward to seeing you in the future and uh you're, you're working on a, a point article now too right i am yeah I, i'm doing some editing work for the point and uh i'm writing a pretty cool piece on gorilla glass and their win on the innovator award awesome cool well i look forward to reading that yeah absolutely thank you all right i'll talk to you soon okay see ya all right bye All right, thanks for talking to me, Christina. Customer service, super important in your shop. You know, if you're not paying attention to it, pay attention to it. Because, you know, you can do awesome work, but if you're an asshole, people aren't coming back. And <laughs> I've learned that the hard way. Uh, so I've got a bunch of classes that are open. Uh, you can go to Body Art Education by Ryan Wallet on Facebook or precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars. 
I've got uh, the Monday, August 26th class in Maryland. That is full up, so I have to close registration on that. Uh, but I still have uh, some availability for the class in Chicago on Sunday, September 1st. I'm going to be doing a, a private class the following day at the Crow's Nest in uh, Dubuque, Iowa, but that's just private, uh, invite only. Um, that should be a pretty fun one. I'm going to be doing uh, some some stuff for the uh, people from Crow's Nest and from Prism and from Mint, so it's going to be a, a fun crew of people out there. Uh, in the future, I, I am open to booking private classes, so if you're interested in that, they're usually going to be tacked on to another trip. Um, I, I wouldn't really afford to be able to do a small class if I have to pay for for a flight and a rental car and a hotel and food and take time off of work and all that stuff. But if I'm already doing a class in an area, chances are I might be able to add on another class maybe the day before or the day after. So if you're interested, you know, you can go ahead and, and reach out to me, ryanpba at gmail.com or shoot me a Facebook message. Uh, another bigger class I'm going to be doing is going to be a Tiger Lotus in Fort Myers, Florida. That's going to be on uh, Monday, October 28th. And then I've got those two classes uh, in November in Atlanta. I'm really looking forward to that. It should be really fun, November 18th and 19th. Uh, if you want to sign up to any of that stuff, you just go ahead and shoot me an email. Let me know what you want to do, and I'll be doing a whole bunch of other classes in the future. Uh, I've gotten a lot of people asking about classes in Canada, and I absolutely do want to come back to Canada and do classes, but I absolutely do not want to go back to Canada in the winter. Sorry, uh, but you know why. Uh, so, I, you know, around the springtime, um, I definitely want to do one at uh, Yontarian's shop in Montreal, so definitely have some plans for that. Uh, really want to go back to the Hamilton, Ontario area, link up with Bedore, maybe do a, a class and maybe some advanced stuff since I, I, I've done a seminar there before. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes. Again, you can check out that Red Door playlist on Spotify if you're into it. I'll also post the link when uh, this this uh, post live on the, the Facebook page. So blah, 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 blah. I am leaving for Japan tomorrow as I record this. So as this publishes, I uh, will be... Uh, in Japan, we, why did I say we? I, the, the royal we, will be in Japan for a wrestling tournament for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, so this this will publish while I'm there. I'm going to try to link up with uh, one or two of my Japanese piercer friends while I'm there and, and maybe get a little bit of content for you, but no promises on that one. Uh, and just to kind of drive it home one more time, if you have not listened to the interview from last week with John Joyce and Caitlin Raisin from Scarab Body Arts, episode 121, go back and listen to it. It's a really good episode, and I think it's one of my favorites that I've done in the last, uh, I don't know, quite a while. So thanks for listening to the show, and I'll be back next week. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved. 